I'm right here, guys. <laughs> Helium. Who we got? We have the murder of a tobacco heiress, Margaret Benson. Mm. Oh, Benson Hedges? Benson, Benson and Hedges? No. Hedges and Benson. That's a good guess, though. Heavens to Betsy. Heavens to Benson. Wait, that show Benson was awesome. Yes. Benson, the TV show Benson? That was great. I love that show. It was a great, great show. Classic. Benson goes from butler to governor. Is that right? During the course of the show? No, he was never governor. The Dude, he was lieutenant the governor. Was the governor. He would, he's definitely lieutenant governor. Look, you know, you may know some things, but I fucking know about Benson, you piece of shit. Don't you ever <laughs> cross me again on All Benson. Right, let's oh, shit. Let's go to the map. Are we are we are we are we checking or are we gonna just move on? We're already fighting. <laughs> okay. We are checking. I'm, I'm we are checking. Just hang on, folks. Was Benson the governor? Don't don't fast forward. This is this is important. Yeah, yeah everybody just sit, sit tight. tight right? Okay. This will only take a second. Throughout the course of the series, Benson worked his way up the ladder, going from head of household affairs to state budget director, mm-hmm. and eventually was elevated to the position Ooh. of lieutenant governor Booyah, by the show's final season, and was almost elected governor in the show's final episode, which was a two-part series, but he lost because he's black. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, holy fuck. <laughs> but I mean, it's true. I was going to yeah, say, that's a like, fantastic article. Why do you think they ended the series? <laughs> because they didn't want real. to disappoint everybody. But does it say lieutenant governor? Yeah, it says lieutenant ah, governor. Man, don't was play with me. Elected governor. Don't play with me when it comes to Benson. You're listening to The Florida Man Murders, a true crime comedy podcast about murder, madness, mayhem, and other shady shit that goes down in the Sunshine State. Each week, your hosts, Chris, Roger, and Siege, take you on a dark, twisted journey through the bowels of the most wretched fiends and nefarious events throughout the history of Florida, and then make inane, quote-unquote, funny observations about it all, like the half-soused nitwits that they are. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the crazy, if you dare. All right, you guys, you guys do that. I'm just gonna read more about Benson. Oh fuck! I'm gonna try and find a hole in Roger for the rest of the night. That's what I'm doing. Okay, Dayline. Whoa, loud, loud, loud. Oh my goodness. Dayline. <laughs> Dayline. Naples, Florida. Ooh. July 9, 1985. Oh, recent. Okay, ish. 1985, Marty. 1985 is not recent. But when he said tobacco heiress, I figured like. This could have been one of these like 19th century episodes that we have historical gems that we pepper throughout our series. Yeah. So on July 9th, 1985, at around 915 in the morning, a thunderous blast 
rocked a quiet, affluent, gated community in Naples, Florida, called Quail Creek. I know where that is. Of course you do. Of course you do. Of course I fucking do. Seconds later, another blast echoed across the community's golf course. The two explosions could be heard and felt as far as five miles away. When police arrived, they found what used to be an 85 Chevy Suburban, but it was now a tangled mess of bent steel engulfed in flames. I like this, Chris. He's 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 feeling it. He's feeling <laughs> yeah, it. this Chris is uh, playing with that new mic. Yeah, uh, he's feeling it. Yeah, this is new, Chris. He's, oh, yeah. he's been he's actually, actually been testing it a lot, been putting it in my butt. Yes. Cops found. Cops found dead bodies of a woman Finally. and a man splayed out several feet from the car. They found debris scattered hundreds of feet from ground zero, including pieces of the car as well as human body parts. Big blast. Yes, huge blasts. Body parts everywhere. Pieces of car everywhere. Glass everywhere. They saw a third person, a woman, lying in the grass, writhing in pain a few feet from the explosion. Some men who had been golfing nearby had run over to help her. She was badly burned, but alive. Paramedics rushed the woman to the hospital. I don't know what that whistle was, but I liked it. It's just a mysterious wind. <laughs> That's what I Blowing it in. The hot blast that came from your ass. Somebody's audio keeps cutting out. Oh, I, I turn. Oh, because so you can't hear my AC. I mute it sometimes just because like he mute he mutes it when he's not. Yeah, doing yeah. It, so. I want try to Go keep it clean. And, yeah, no, but then I, I, just I, keep doing that. That's fine. I, yeah, I, should be fine. I, but I, like, I, mean, uh, I, 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 I lost it. I've lost it. Can you please not do that? Just everyone stop what they're doing. Okay, I can let me just be. No, no, it's, it's fine. I'm just gonna I'm gonna mute my mic while I drink, unless you guys want to hear that. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. All right. I got a little squeezy bottle here. Uh, I don't know what it is. Okay, good. Good to just drink what you don't know. This guy's like alchemist. This guy's like uh, it's like gasoline. Like, uh, Joaquin Phoenix in uh, in master. master. <laughs> yeah. It's cologne, ton, hair yeah. tonic. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> it looks like Delicious. gasoline to me. It's like it's, it, it's 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 probably closer to antifreeze than gasoline. He put some shit in there, man. Don't don't trust this guy. What kind of gasoline do you use? You buy uh, this shit off the side of the road in Hialeah? Un- unleaded Chevron? Oh, hmm. Oh. It's got Tecron. It's got Tecron in it. The one with the tiger. Sorry, guys. I could afford Tecron. Which is the one with the tiger? (laughs) That's mobile. No, Exxon. There you go. Exxon Mobile. Oh, sorry. Exxon Mobile. Get a free tiger poster. I want a tiger poster. Two gallons. Well, Exxon, sponsor us so I can have a tiger. Brought to you by Mobile. Yeah, uh, please. We haven't killed that many birds. <laughs> let's just let's just have a company that's currently destroying the world to sponsor us. Yeah, we're super down with the oil companies. Sure, we're all good with fossil fuel companies over here. Give us fossil fuel money. <laughs> yeah, 
if you're a fracking I don't care. company, we're yeah. down. Even yeah. if you're BP, you I will it. eat um, the sh- Yeah. I will eat Gulf shellfish. I don't care. BP, bring them to me. They're just dis- disgust me. All right. <laughs> um, if you're into bl- right. blood diamonds, oh, we're down with that. <laughs> whatever mines. Uh, Ooh, vale yeah. in South America, we're down. Yeah. So anyway, they took the lady to the hospital. Yes, yes, good, good, yes. Uh, deducing <laughs> that all this death and destruction was from a car bomb, cops handed the case over to Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Wait a second. When did they get explosives? I don't know. It's it's it, They just added it recently. ATFE? ATFE, yeah. At hmm. FE. I'm just going to call him ATF. <clears throat> Old school. ATF, the ATF uh, investigated and confirmed what everyone already knew. A bomber was at large in Naples, Florida. Dun, dun, dun. There it is, right weird, on cue. Weird place to uh, yeah. bomb things. <laughs> what do you bomb over there? Sand? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sarc- Fucking sand. Sarcastic dick. <laughs> Anti bomb <laughs> comedian bombing. <laughs> Oh shit! What's sort of bomb around over there anyway? Pick a better city, you fucking fucking sand. Mope. Yeah. Oh, was it sand there? It's just the most fucking. Oh no! I got my eyes. Sarcastic. He got us again. <laughs> Sorry. Probably not usable, but. All right. Um, Use whatever you want, Harry. <laughs> See, just had it with me. <laughs> huh? No, I haven't. I love it. They just drink more gasoline. Uh, what do I do? Uh, Harry Hitchcock. Nothing. Nothing. Ooh. Sorry. I'm going to stop Wait, it. Right say it again. Say it again. Say it slower. Harry. Say it slower. Harry Hitchcock. Oh, thank you. Harry Hitchcock. I like it. Was born. Like he was born on April 18th, 1897 in Baltimore, Maryland. Wait a second. This was 1985? Yeah, that was a setup. This is a setup. This is an explosion. I know. Two people are dead. One's in the hospital. Flashback. Boom. Yeah. Like it. It's like a movie. Thank you for explaining that. I'm just not paying attention. I'm still reading up on a potential Benson season six where he was governor. (laughs) All right. So Harry Hitchcock was born on April 18th, 1897 in Baltimore, Maryland. He grew up relatively poor. But as a young man, he moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania to pursue the American dream. Owning slaves. He got a job as a traveling tobacco leaf salesman with the H.W. Winston Company. Winston-Salem. God, Roger, you're just full of fucking information tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And listen to me, this is chicken, this is chicken throat. I know cigarettes, eh? <laughs> one thing I know it's cigarettes. You know yeah, about all I know about cigarettes. Chicken throws back. Um, Harry moved up in the company very quickly, even though he actually knew very little to nothing about tobacco leaves. Um, he was just a really good salesman. All he knew was that the dark air cured tobacco leaves grown in Lancaster made the best cigars. All right. It's toasted. <laughs> um, 
Mad Men reference. Harry turned Mad Men reference. Harry turned out to be a hell of a salesman, as I said, and eventually made enough money to buy his own tobacco farm. Because you can do that back then. Just just randomly purchase a farm. He had a hankering for a tobacco farm. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. In 1927, he purchased a tobacco field from a local farmer and started the Lancaster Leaf Tobacco Company in a small brick warehouse. Sounds like a shitty farm. Where the fuck are the cows? There's no cows on his farm. (laughs) All right. Morning zoo. What the hell happened? (laughs) (laughs) Right in there. Right in there. God was so angry. It's like it's absolute dog. Oh, what's wrong with it? it? I hear it. I'm like, are you okay? He just. That's that's a no. That's a no. Okay, let's got, move on for the morning. I got my radio Shit. sound effects here. It's uh, evolving sorry. quickly. <laughs> All right. So in just six years, like whoa. Sorry. In just six years, Lancaster Leaf Company grew oh to God. be the largest dark tobacco leaf supplier oh, in the world. All right. Just about every manufacturer in the U.S. used Lancaster Leaf tobacco for their cigars and chew. <laughs> we can mute that, though. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. He had a farm and a brick house because he's a fucking idiot. He made a bunch of money off this uh, tobacco farm. Yeah, imagine if the farm was outside. Well, he became a multimillionaire. How about that, idiot? How about that? Oh, now you're a tobacco expert too. I, I know Florida <laughs> geography, and I also know tobacco. That's right. He would make, he would be a billionaire if you listen to me. Yeah, yeah. The world's first. You know what's cool? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. He eventually married a woman named Charlotte. And had two daughters with her. Wait, Charlotte in North Carolina? They're not in North Carolina. They're in Pennsylvania. Fucking hell. It'd be great. It'd be super cool if you joined the show and paid attention a little bit. But listen, season six, Benson, they call him Governor. They call him Governor Benson. (laughs) Really? That's fucking This guy's still on Benson. He's got five laptops going at Look like fucking Batman with all his laptops and shit over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just it's all old laptops that he collected. <laughs> or a trash. You know, Batman could have cleaned up that city using just like a third of his money, instead of just like going out there and just fighting like a rage person. Batman sucks. <laughs> oh, wow. Superman man speaks. We know what side he's on. God damn right. Chris loves wearing his underwear on the outside. I do. I like wearing. <laughs> Towels for capes. Um, <laughs> Who has it? I'm doing right. right now. So Hitchcock married Charlotte in Pennsylvania, and they had two daughters. Uh, Harry then moved his family into a mansion in a wealthy Baltimore suburb. In time, Hitchcock's net worth grew to nearly $100 million. Holy cannoli that's a lot what for, year was that that even now I, I, this was uh at this point in the uh 1950s 
Coño. Yeah. Life as a rich tobacco baron was good to Harry and the family, most of the time, anyway. Major um, fuck you to Siege, by the way, that he was like, <laughs> uh, hey, dick face. What? Of course, I didn't have a tobacco farm in a brick warehouse, you stupid shit. <laughs> so, uh, where the fuck? Okay, so, yeah, so he... He took a oh so in 1950 and then the summer of 1950, uh, Harry took a bunch of his rich executive friends on a chartered boat called the Priscilla to do some fishing. Harry wrote a letter about the excursion, and I have that fucking letter. Yes, it's our first letter of the season. Fucking a, it is. First letter. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Roger, I thought you did audio. I don't need official a drop. I don't need a roadcaster. I don't need a roadcaster. <laughs> I'm the Michael Winslow of our podcast. I've said this before, and I say again, don't worry about it. Anyway, back. You have that letter. <clears throat> I do. Mm. Quote: Suddenly, the boat shook as if it were in a collision. And immediately blood gushed from my right leg. I instinctively said, I am shot. I do not know why. <laughs> no other boats were in view, and as far as we could see, no planes in the air. What fucking person when they get shot and see blood gushing from my right leg <laughs> says, I am shot. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I do not know I why. I do not know why. Why am I shot? He had a pen next to him, and he's just, like, jotting it down while it happens. Yeah, live. This fucking guy would never be governor. He would never be Benson, that's for damn sure. That's right. Yeah, he won't even be assistant lieutenant governor. So Harry's friends, uh, they put a tour tourniquet around the wound and rushed his mystery bullet hole leg to the uh, hospital. Six weeks after the incident, Harry learned that the boat had mistakenly wandered into a restricted area where Maryland National Guardsmen were doing a target practice drill. Um, That's bad luck. Anyway, fun story. Just wanted to throw that in there. Oh, uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, more, it has nothing to do with anything. Nope. We need yeah. more letters about people getting shot and then quoting them. I just thought it was hilarious. He's like, I only have one letter, so I'm going to just throw it in there. I have been shot. I don't know why. <laughs> So when she was of age, Harry officially announced that his eldest daughter, Margaret, was slated to be the heir to his company and tobacco fortune. In 1947, uh, Margaret met and began dating one of Harry's top executives, a man named, check this out. Are you ready for this name? I mean, I'm ready. I don't know about Roger. Oh, there we go. He's, a he's ready now. <laughs> what the fuck is I'm not allowed control. to mute, so uh, no, I'm not allowed to. Mute. We are allowed to just leave. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I I knew it would take like fucking thirty seconds. Sorry, go ahead. You are the George Harrison in the group. You just fucking left. <laughs> I just didn't know what I want. Without going out of your door. You can know. You sound more like Ringo. <laughs> no, Ringo's like, if you've got some problems and you've got some problem with me. That's Ringo. He's... 
That's some uh, <laughs> anthology <laughs> volume two shit. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So in 1947, yeah. Margaret met and began dating one of Harry's top executives, a man named Benny Benson. Yes. <laughs> yes. What? Serendipity. What? To, wait, a, wait a second. Benjamin Benson is his Benny name? Benson, yeah. <laughs> Benny Benson. <laughs> uh, we've come back around. <laughs> so <laughs> Margaret, Margaret and Benny got married and had three children. Daughter Carolyn, middle son Stephen, and youngest boy Scott. Scott? Who the fuck named Scott somebody Benson. Scott in like Oh wait, this is the 1950s. I was back in 1890 again. <laughs> you need to get out of that era. We're done. We're done with that era. Yeah. We're in 1890 we're in North era. Carolina. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> to be fair to you, we were there for a minute. Uh, the Benson kids were pampered up the ass. Nice. They were very, very much the typical waspy, privileged, rich kids. As teens, uh, for example, Carolyn was all about entering local beauty contests. Stephen liked to bum around with his friends and never got a job. And Scott loved getting high and chasing women. I like Scott. I mean, if you're named Scott, you kind of have to do that. The kids, they grew up in a 17-room mansion with gold doorknobs. Nice. The mansion had tennis courts, a greenhouse an Olympic-sized swimming pool, a cabana, a Japanese pond with an arched wooden footbridge, bonsai trees, carp, and a small waterfall. Sounds like Francis's house from Pee-wee's, uh, Pee-wee Stole My Bike, or whatever that movie is. Yeah. <laughs> Pee-wee Stole My Bike. Fra- Francis Buxton. Why do I, I know his the, last name, but I don't know. That's the, the movie's title. They just had a small waterfall, though. Stop being poor. <laughs> Did they even have koi in it? No, just carp. I don't know if that's the same thing, but... <laughs> uh, Margaret and Benny made their kids call them mother and father. Cool. Lord Fothington. Benny was a working husband. Benny, Benny was always traveling and barely was ever at home. He did he did uh, dote on their eldest daughter, Carolyn, but had an icy relationship with Stephen. Benny was part of a yacht club, and Margaret would host cocktail parties all the time, priding herself as a socialite and homemaker. They're a typical well-off white family living in the 1950s and 60s America. All was well, but when Carolyn attended college in Texas, she got knocked up by a boyfriend. And this did not sit well with the Bensons. Being unmarried and unattached to the... uh, baby's father carolyn's pregnancy threatened the family's social status they couldn't have their eldest daughter bear an illegitimate child but they were also christian so an uh, abortion was out of the question so margaret came up with a solution pray the baby away carolyn would come back home to lancaster have the baby in secret and then they'd tell everyone that the kid was actually margaret and benny's new adopted child so that's what they did yeah and that would be Scott, the youngest of the three children. Oh, that was Scott. So, 
Yeah, Scott is actually Carolyn's Ooh, son. Sweet. Now he's pretending to be her brother. Got it. Scott is. <laughs> In 1983, Benny Benson died from lung cancer, if you can believe that. Tobacco executive. Really? As a smoker? Yeah, apparently so. Uh, his wife, Margaret, inherited his millions, and it was suddenly on her shoulders to be in charge of the Benson family fortune. Benny's net worth was $10 million when he passed away. Even as the three children were becoming adults, Margaret continued to support them financially to the point where none of them really had to work. For example, Stephen drove around in a red Mercedes, gifted to him by his mother. His college buddies soon noticed that Stephen never held a job, but would always somehow still have money. Eventually, Stephen would ask his mother to finance different business ventures he wanted to start, even though he had zero business experience whatsoever. And Margaret would always say yes. But each time he began a business, he would immediately flop. So, so Elon Musky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Stephen eventually finished school, he got married, and finally moved out of his mother's house. To another mansion. <laughs> to, the, to a mansion down the street. <laughs> then, one day, Margaret decided the family needed a fresh start, so she decided to move to Naples, Florida. There it is. Mm -hmm. Florida. 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 She had Scott and Carolyn move with her, and asked Stephen to bring his wife along. Uh, Margaret found what she hoped would be a temporary mansion in Port Royal, <laughs> in a gated community called Quail Creek. And what she had in mind was to ultimately build a 28,000-square-foot family complex in Naples, similar to the Kennedy compound in Massachusetts. So, wow. Yeah, she wanted, she wanted, that was her dream. Big, big property. Uh, so while in Naples, the youngest kid, Scott, began to show an interest in tennis. So Margaret paid the $10,000 fee for him to train with a tennis coach at the prestigious Harry Hopkins International Training Camp at Bardmore County Club. You know, they got free training at the Boys and Girls Club. By day, Scott would train, and by night, he'd go out and do a shit ton of cocaine all night long with his douchebag friends. I like Scott. Oh, my God. Finally, Siege and I understand Scott. i get it i get it <laughs> we're waiting for it i'm a fake baby that does cocaine he also began dating a local stripper i like scott which margaret did not approve of wait uh it's very early scenes so just wait a few no, minutes no, it's okay. <laughs> and then he murdered <laughs> and then he murdered everyone <laughs> i mean margaret also bought him a cigarette boat <laughs> see Ah, look at this. So on the nose, cigarette boat. <laughs> it's very... I get it, Margaret. <laughs> very Florida 1985. You rapscallion. <laughs> Eventually, Stephen did move to Naples with his own family to join his mother and siblings. And as soon as Stephen arrived, he got into the real estate business with his mother's financial backing. Of course, that failed almost immediately. Hooray. <laughs> uh, he eventually started a security firm Oh, boy. <laughs> Better swindling here. This sounds yeah. like a plan. And, of course, once again, Margaret backed his venture financially. As for Carolyn, she went back and forth to school in Boston and continued to enter beauty contests. At one point, she entered the Miss Florida contest where she got as far as a uh, runner-up. 
she had gotten married and had two kids, uh, but that marriage broke up. So Margaret bought her a house in Boston and paid for classes at a Boston film school. Carolyn's unfinished thesis was a script about an industrial espionage, and she hoped to someday turn it into a movie. So the pattern here is all three kids are just... Terrible fuck-ups who don't do anything. <laughs> Very righteous gemstone. <laughs> Very, yes. I exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I have that script. <laughs> <laughs> Page one. Um, fade in. As for Margaret, <laughs> as for Margaret, she she purchased herself four houses in Naples. She owned a dozen cars, two yachts, and has set up an annual trust fund for the three kids of $30,000 each per year in addition to all the money she was already giving. Wow. 30000 is nothing compared to what these guys are getting. <laughs> like uh, in real she's, estate. She's like slapping yeah. down like 100000 like at a moment's notice. Margaret began to realize that all her lavish spending and her indulging the children was maybe not such a great idea. Uh, mainly because she noticed her bank account bleeding so much money on a monthly basis. I mean, how many houses, yachts, and cars do you have there, Jake? In order to get her finances back in order, Margaret hired an accountant from Philadelphia named Wayne Kerr. All right. Thanks, Wanker. No, no relation again. His I mean, name's Wanker Roger. Keep up. <laughs> His name okay. is Wanker. Holy shit. Um <laughs> I thought you did that on purpose. His name is Wang Kerr. Wayne, I know that's just I didn't I didn't put that together. That's why I have you as a friend to point out all the horniness I'm, everywhere. I'm, I'm here to point out anything relating to a dick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when Margaret met Wayne Kerr, Wanker, uh, she was struck by how much he resembled her son Stephen. Uh, both of them were tall. They were both heavy set, and they both wore thick. Large, thick glasses with black frames. Harry Carey style. So sexy. <laughs> I look just like your son. Why don't you come over here and unzoom my pants? I'll have some Cracker Jacks for you. That was pretty good, Harry Carey. <laughs> Put them right on my penis. Now he's Bill Cosby? Put his right <laughs> on the penis with the pocket. Put the pudding on the pussy. Wait. Put the pudding on the pussy. Yes. That's she, how it goes, right? It was a commercial. Yeah, that's word for word what the commercial said. Pretty sure yeah. there was Fat Albert in there, too. So Margaret immediately called Stephen to come meet Wayne. Wayne, the accountant. Wanker, the accountant. You gotta come see this guy. He looks just like you. You gotta. <laughs> Mom. You just gotta. Bill. Mom, come. You won't believe how much he looks like you. The two men, however, they hit it off immediately. They became really good friends. Oh, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, this is getting weirder. I like it. Uh, it. You do look like that. <laughs> fuck my mom? They're going to fuck. You want to blow me and then fuck my mom? It'll be like blowing yourself. <laughs> yeah. I've always wanted to wanted do that. to blow yourself? I've always wanted to do that. That's amazing. I think I, I like that idea. I love it. I Mom, love it. okay with that? Myself. <laughs> the two of were such good friends that at, uh, Stephen was eventually Wayne's best man uh, in Wayne's wedding. That's how tight they were. Fuck. 
That escalated quickly, that friendship. <laughs> really did. Mom really knows them. Because they were blowing each other. <laughs> they, they swapped during the wedding. They would swap places. The, the bride <laughs> like, noticed. Oh, do you know who this is? <laughs> so Wayne advised Margaret that her lavish spending needed to get dialed back. In that year alone, she had burned through a little over $1 million. Nice. And at the rate that she was going, she was on pace to burn through the rest of the $10 million her husband had left her within seven years. My God. <laughs> <That's insane>. <laughs> <laughs> Yet, even with her shaky finances, however, Margaret was still determined to find a parcel of land to build her dream family compound. Through his old real estate connection, Stephen was able to find a lot that might interest her, so Margaret agreed to go see it. She asked the children to come look at it with her. We all gotta go together. <laughs> so, on the morning of July 9th, 1985, they all got up and got ready to go. Stephen arrived in his Chevrolet Suburban to take them. As Carolyn and Scott were getting ready, Stephen offered to go pick up coffee and donuts for everyone. Now, it took him a while to get back, but when he did, they all had breakfast and then were ready to go. Stephen tossed the keys of the Suburban to his little brother, Scott, and told him he could drive. Carolyn and Stephen would sit in the back so Mother Margaret could ride up front. Just before he got into the car, Stephen realized he had forgotten the tape measure he needed to measure different parts of the land parcel, so he ran back into the house to get one. As he went into the house... Wait, 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 wait. A tape measure to measure land parcels? Dog, I know where... I don't know if it was a completely empty piece of land. It might have been building <laughs> already there. just found a dirt Enormous field. tape measure the size of the Empire State. You hold on to this. I'm going to go run about 10 miles from here. And we'll measure it. Uh, yeah, I'm Let not sure exactly. It exact goes on forever. <laughs> uh, but Don't let it snap back. <laughs> Don't let go. The recoil on this thing will kill you. <laughs> it'll, it'll implode the entire fucking universe. Uh, so, yeah, he, he went back. He ran into the house to get a tape measure. And just as he went into the house, Scott, who was in the car, uh, turned the ignition. And when he did that, the car almost immediately burst into an explosive ball of fire. Oof. The explosion rocked the entire Quail Creek area. The blast was so powerful, it was heard from miles around. A few seconds after the first blast, a second explosion went off. The Suburban was a twisted wreckage covered in fire and smoke. The first explosion had blown Margaret and Scott out into the driveway. They had both been killed instantly. Margaret was 63 and Scott was 21. Damn. R.I.P. in peace, Scott. Rest in peace and peace. Carolyn. (laughs) 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 (sighs) Carolyn, who had left her door open, uh, was badly burned following that second bomb which didn't detonate as potently as the first. Uh, Carolyn rolled out of the car and her body was engulfed in flames. A black cloud rose over the Benson house. Like in nature? Yeah. Oh, smoke. My bad. 
a black cloud. It could be metaphorical too. I, that's that's what I thought of. Um, I was like, is this witchcraft? <laughs> I think I think he's painting a story here. You know, he's using uh, metaphorical. Yeah, using uh, metaphorical similes, and tones. Yeah, and uh, just let let the man cook. Okay? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, as you were. No, no, no. It's all. It's a read and react show. A man named Ralph Merrill, who is a family friend and neighbor, had been playing golf near the house when he heard the blasts and saw the smoke. Ralph and other golfers raced to their in their carts. Yeah, <laughs> fucking funny. helpful. Thank you. <laughs> it's a funny image to me. They jumped in their cart and they raced <laughs> yeah. to the scene. It only goes eight miles per hour. <laughs> I'm flooring it. It yeah, wasn't. It wasn't even like it. battery ones back then. It was the little <laughs> tiny engines, so it was all yeah. like. That's right. It's a little fucking gasoline engine. Fucking twenty people in those little carts. They're all three hundred and fifty pounds. Yep. Twenty-five GNTs deep. Don't drive on the green. Stay off the green, Ralph. Stay off the green. Oh my God, Ralph. Uh, yeah, so they got there and Ralph saw the carnage and ran over to Margaret. He picked her up by the arms and dragged her across the driveway in case another uh, blast might go off. He had no idea that she was already dead. Um, Quick question. Is this my uh, father-in-law, Ralph? Because he loves <laughs> golfing and... And dead bodies. And, and discovering dead bodies. It might when be. he's out on the golf course. All right, just checking. So Ralph, I said, what's up? Yeah. Um, the yeah, other man says, "What's up?" Too. The other <laughs> men saw Carolyn and began to help put the flames covering her face and neck out, uh, and then they called nine one one. Super helpful, gentlemen. Um, <laughs> when ATF Stop. play through, your face and neck is on fire. Here, let me help you with that. Play it through. I got a nine iron. Uh, when ATF investigators took over the case, they quickly discovered that the explosions had been set off by a pair of pipe bombs. Debris from the car and pieces of the bombs were found as far as two miles away from the explosion site. Investigators Fuck. also discovered and figured out that one pipe bomb had been planted in the bottom middle of the car between the driver and the passenger seats, and the second bomb had been planted under the back seat. The first bomb went off as planned, but the second failed to deliver the full payload. The work was a bit shoddy, and, but the placement of the bombs had told the cops that the bomb, the killer basically wanted to make sure everyone inside the vehicle would be killed. So at first, uh, police suspected the bombs might have been a murder-suicide by Scott because maybe he found out that his older sister was really his mother. Never. Never. <laughs> Definitely He's innocent, Scott. Damn it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Scott's my Scott. boy. You're like, I know Scott. I, I know that. Scott. It wasn't Scott. Scott free. <laughs> Another theory posited was whether Scott uh may have owed drug dealers money and was the target of a hit. Nah. What do you nope. think of that theory? Nope. Nah, he was clean, man. He nope. paid every time that we got some shit. Scott together. paid extra, man. He dropped extra cash on that table to make Tip. sure that it was right there, ready for him the next time. All right. He's reaching. It, just he walk in there and just grab a handful right off the table and just eat it. Twenty <laughs> percent. 
every time. Uh, to figure it all out, ATF officials began reconstructing the type of pipe bombs that were used. They began to investigate people Scott was associated with, known drug dealers and gang members, looking for someone who might have access to building a pipe bomb. And one tip led them to a man named Guido Del Molin. Nice. I mean, he's a he's an Italian living in Naples. He's from New Jersey, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, he the thing about Guido Del Molin was he was a shady guy with a long rap sheet. He was also known as a bit of a mechanical expert. He knew he knew how to like rig cars to run via remote control. <laughs> that kind of shit. That's cool. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah. Hey, check like this that. out. <laughs> I like Guido. <laughs> Turn your Fiat into an Aussie pro wham. How about that? <laughs> so he fit the profile of a guy who could build pipe bombs and offer his services to local gang lords. Racism. Uh, but Guido was soon eliminated as a suspect after it turned out he had killed someone around the same time of the bombing, placing him somewhere else. So his alibi was a murder. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, oh yes. <laughs> yes, I couldn't correct. have done it because I was killing somebody else. At the Yo, same those time. three bodies aren't on me because this one was. All right, <laughs> you back up when you're assuming shit to me. <laughs> Damn, man, you gotta have some shady shit going on if your alibi is I'm. I was. Oh no, I was murdering somebody else at that time. Like no away. Could have been me. Holy oh, fuck. shit. <laughs> It's a desperate, <laughs> desperate situation. <laughs> so investigators uh, also eliminated Scott or his associates as possible suspects when they figured out that, as you guys have been saying, he didn't owe anyone any money. That's well right. Done. Well done. We know Scott. I mean, Dog, come Scott, on. We, Scott we know this us. guy. We know Scott this guy. is us. Yeah. Ro- Roger, Roger, Scott is Roger Scott and is us. I are Scott. Yeah. R.I.P. in peace. So... R.I.P. and peace, Scott. So they turn their sights to family accountant Wayne Kerr. Wanker. Uh-oh. Should have been the first suspect right there. As far as I'm concerned. Uh, Wanker. Yeah. Give me the list of names. Wanker first. <laughs> there you Let's go. go. That's him. So, That's the one. Scott, leave him alone. Wayne had been in and out of the house on the morning of the murders. Uh, in fact, he was in the house during the explosions and was the first person to call 911 after the explosions went off. Mm. He who smelt it. <laughs> very dumb. Uh, Wayne. No, it's good. Please don't include that. That's no, great. No, no, no. That's Do great. It. Leave it. In. Leave it in. We need it's a great no, legal defense. <laughs> Your honor. So, Your honor, I have nothing else to say except he who smelt it dealt it. That's it. I rest, I my, rest case. my case. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Well, he who smelt it fucking blew up that car. <laughs> uh, that didn't rhyme. All right. All right. That's how the saying goes, though. Okay. But he's still guilty. That's not how the right. saying yeah. goes. It's not at all how the saying goes. Um. So Wayne had also had access and intimate knowledge of all of Margaret's finances. Um, but every time they looked into Wayne, they just couldn't find any evidence or anything to stick. They couldn't find any reasons why he'd want to kill Margaret. Yeah, couldn't find benefit. a motive. So with no other leads, investigators decided to interview the surviving siblings, Carolyn and Stephen Benson. 
Um, but Carolyn, who is still in a burn center ICU weeks after the explosion, fire. Yes, she refused to talk to, to the cops. And cops had given Stephen a few weeks to bury and grieve his mother and brother. But then they decided, all right, that's enough of that. And they decided they it was time to talk with him. But when cops called Stephen to ask if he would come down to the station to be interviewed, the first thing he did was hire an attorney. Oh, boy. <laughs> preferably, preferably one who can rhyme correctly. <laughs> he who smelt it blew up that van. <laughs> no, damn it. You're almost so there. So yeah, you're almost so close. There. So, close. so less less words. <laughs> started a fire. Cops began to wonder why Carolyn and Stephen were being so elusive. They were lovers. They decided to fly up to Baltimore to interview old acquaintances and friends of the two siblings. Everyone that knew Carolyn said that she was a very nice person and had ambitions to be a beauty queen. So nothing weird or suspicious was discovered about her. But when investigators interviewed Stephen's friends, they began to notice a strange and not so coincidental pattern. <laughs> Every person that knew Stephen growing up told investigators that he loved tinkering with explosives. He loved firecrackers and eventually he taught himself how to build his own firecrackers. Fuck. And... Stephen would construct small explosives all the time, mainly to blow up neighborhood uh, mailboxes <laughs> or scare people as pranks. Goddamn. Stephen he even signed one high school friend's yearbook, quote, we'll go bombing again next year. Oh, my God. <laughs> Take giveaways. <laughs> guy's a fucking... Try K-I-T. P.S. I killed fucking my idiot. Keep in touch. <laughs> P.S. Summer. I like fire and blowing things up. <laughs> P.S. If the cops ever ask you about my mom blowing up, it was me. <laughs> uh, scratch it out. <laughs> it was I Scott. was with you that night. <laughs> Once uh, she was out of the hospital and back home, Carolyn finally agreed to an interview with the investigators. At first, she told them what they already knew. Her mother, Margaret, and brother, Scott, and Stephen were going to see a piece of land for Margaret to possibly purchase. Um, Carolyn told them that it was Stephen's idea to do so, and that he had arranged it through his real estate connections. She told them that before they had left, Stephen had offered to pick up coffee and donuts. But she added, he was gone for longer than it should, for <laughs> longer than it should take anyone for a coffee and donuts run. Like, he was gone for a while. <laughs> Well, I mean, was again like two dozen. I asked for a variety. These are all glazed. <laughs> so when the cops asked her, you know, how long it took them, she she said it took Stephen almost an hour and a half to bring back the coffee and donuts. He went to uh, Port Charlotte. It's a better Dunkin' Donuts over there. She also told him when the family asked him, you know, why it took him so long, he said he had to stop by a business acquaintance's house for a quick meeting. And when they asked him which acquaintance was this, Stephen told him that he didn't remember the guy's name. Oh, okay. Oh, Stephen's stupid. <laughs> stupid Stephen. Here he is. Back again. Carolyn said that they uh, went about their breakfast. They had their coffee and their donuts. And then walked to Stephen's Suburban to leave. And she told him she remembered seeing... Wait, Stephen. hold on. Hold on a second. Interesting breakfast. 
for some fucking millionaires. They're not having quail eggs. Right. They're having coffee and donuts like a bunch of ostrich eggs. Cops. <laughs> Alligator eggs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They like Weird. to sometimes be like regular folk. Yeah. Let's pretend we're poor. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret. We don't eat fried donuts in this house, only baked. So she said, um, you know, after their breakfast, when Stephen, they walked Stephen's car to a suburban, and she told him she remembered seeing Stephen running back into the house to get a tape measure. And then she remembered the first bomb going off. And she remembered the second bomb exploding right under her. And, and she remembered it felt like she was being electrocuted. And then all of a sudden she felt pain like she was on fire. Because she was. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn said uh, she jumped out of the car and tried to roll around on the ground to put out the fire. Because we all saw Stop those and roll. kids. It wasn't right. doesn't work, jumping guys. out of the car work. when a bomb explodes beneath you and throws you into the driveway. You should, you should run... Uh, jump and scream scream yeah that's actually what works yeah (laughs) she told investigators that as she lay on the ground covered in flames that she looked up and she saw steven on the steps of the house he was looking right at her jerking off (laughs) nice feverishly uh (laughs) aggressively just just fucking going at it cranking it (laughs) <laughs> and yeah like steven was like kind of cranking it like really hard it was permanently not coming why, why though so hard? i don't even and know I, why i was like pretty burned up so like i didn't really know how long it was <laughs> never but, seen a body uh, part that color before um <laughs> <laughs> uh, no actually she reached out her hand and called to him to like come help her like please help me i'm on fire um, but Stephen showed no expression. He simply turned and went back into the house. Stephen, man. And that's when the golfers arrived and helped uh, put the fire out from her body. <laughs> and their loud ass fucking golf courts. After this, investigators doubled back and interviewed Wayne Kerr again because they knew they were buddies. And then Wayne dropped a big piece of information that seemed to have slipped his mind the first time around. Stephen did it. <laughs> it turned out <laughs> it turned out that a week before the murders, Margaret had met with Wayne to talk about discrepancies in her finances. Uh, apparently, big chunks of money had been starting to disappear every month, and she wanted to curb it. And while they're looking through the bank statements to figure out what the hell was happening, Margaret and Wayne figured out that Stephen had been taking money from her account without her knowledge. Little notations in the journal says bomb supplies. <laughs> Pipe bomb. Pipe. Explosive. Kill, kill mom. <laughs> Old suburban. Check, killing mom. On the check note. Um, <laughs> Margaret was furious at this, and she told Wayne that as punishment, she wanted to cut Stephen from her will and he, she demanded that he draft a new will at once. Ooh, that's death words right there. Yeah. So yeah. investigators, they were suspicious that Wayne may have tipped Stephen off to his mother changing her will, but they couldn't prove it. But that was their, their theory. Um, their theory was with the entire family killed, 
Stephen would be the sole survivor, and thus, he'd become the sole heir to Harry Hitchcock's tobacco fortune, the grandfather. And he had to get it done before Margaret signed the new amended will. So he had to kill them as soon as possible. Investigators now needed physical evidence to nail Stephen. They began calling around companies throughout Florida and Baltimore that sold the type of bombs used to build two pipe bombs. But they got no hits. They eventually checked out a place called Hughes Hardware that was located just across the street from Stephen's security firm. Hughes Hardware and Bomb Supply. Hughes, <laughs> huge hardware. Huge, huge hardware. Come visit us in Naples on Main Street. So the cops were like, there's no fucking way this guy went across the street from where he worked to buy the shit. But let's go check it out anyway. So they went and interviewed the, uh, the Hughes clerks. And there it was. They were like shocked to learn that he had so uh, he had uh, pot, bought pipe bomb materials from these people. And the clerk gave the cops the Stevens description. And with Hughes Hardware's workers' help, the police composite artist drew a picture of a man wearing glasses that looked like Stephen. The only difference was the man in the composite wore a black baseball cap. Stephen would <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, uh, are you sure the baseball cap? Like, do Damn it, I thought we had we, we're, we're like right there. Like, this is Stephen. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 definitely a baseball cap. An employee at Stephen's security firm then told investigators that a few days before the explosions, Stephen had gone around the office asking if anyone had a baseball cap he could borrow. Oh, <laughs> has to be a Does black anybody one. have a cap? Yeah, does anyone have a cap, preferably black one? Can yeah, I, can I wear your hat? I've never known where lice to find a cap. Hair juice. <laughs> hair juice. What if I can wear your hair juice hat and put it on? Uh, so eventually, someone did lend him a, a hat, and it happened to be black. Investigators went back to the hardware store and scoured receipts and invoices and found a palm print on a signed invoice from Hughes that ended up matching Stephen's left hand. Fuck. Palm print. Yep. How hard is it to sign that you need to throw your whole hand down there? <laughs> well, I think when you, you know, you, you put your hand down and you sign yeah. your name, that side of your hand is, that's all you need. I don't know about you. He probably tried no to sign it there. some other bullshit. And he's like, they'll never get me if I sign it. <laughs> Fucking yeah. Al Alabaster Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh fuck! You got me with the palm print. <laughs> got me Alabaster with the palm print, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Damn, coppers! Investigators couldn't believe Stephen uh, bought the murder weapon from a store right across from the street, from where his business was. But he did. So on August twenty second, <laughs> nineteen eighty five, Stephen was arrested. His trial began a year later. And the media frenzy surrounding the trial was so nuts, a judge ordered the trial moved to Fort Myers. The big mm. city. <laughs> <laughs> the hustle and bustle of Fort Myers. The hustle so liberal and bustle there. of downtown Fort Myers. <laughs> uh, his sister Carolyn testified against him. Oof. And still two, weeks, two weeks later, she actually, I saw some footage and she looked very good like they... Did some surgery on her. She looked, she looked very nice. Oh well, thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. Good, good for you, Carolyn. 
Yeah, I didn't. I had nothing to do with it. So <laughs> two weeks later, Stephen was found guilty of first degree murder, attempted first degree murder, and arson of a dwelling. And looking like Harry Carey. <laughs> he was sentenced to life, to two life terms, sorry, uh, narrowly escaping the death penalty. So he was sentenced to two life terms in prison. Ah, and shocking while... for a rich person. <laughs> such a book thrown at them. Not used uh, to that. Yeah, it's they, pretty wild. That. So while in prison, Stephen made a lot of enemies, particularly because he was rich and he was a douchebag. In 2012, a judge... My dad's a lawyer. <laughs> Don't touch me. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> In 2012, a judge ordered to uh, ordered him to be transferred to Taylor Correctional in Perry, Florida, for his own protection. And while at Taylor, Stephen began feuding with another inmate named Cordell Washington. <laughs> oh yeah, man! Let's do it, baby. Let's do this thing. So, so, so Cordell Washington. Cordell Washington reportedly started harassing Stephen when he learned who he was. He would occasionally just randomly attack him and kick his ass out in the yard. Oh, my God. I want recordings of all of that. <laughs> <laughs> just to go to sleep at night. Um, Cordell. That's my sound bath. Cordell, sound bath. <laughs> Cordell told Stephen that he'd stop the beatings if he just paid him a thousand bucks. <laughs> one thousand oh. dollars it's tied $1, up in escrow I, I, I... <laughs> i'm not giving a thousand dollars to you he had the money but he refused to pay cordell oh, just would idiot. not do it on july 3rd 2015 stephen benson was found dead in his cell <laughs> he had a homemade shank buried in the right side of his head yikes <laughs> <laughs> he you see, was now a homemade shank is different from an awe because an awe is like, <laughs> has like a handle like Gosh. a screwdriver on it and it's rounded go. it just Tool doesn't talk. have a flat spot to turn Back the screws hmm. uh steven was 63 years old the same age as mother margaret was when he had killed her oh serendipitous mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh Brilliant. as for cordell washington cordell washington was charged with murdering steven but he was acquitted by a jury for having funny jokes <laughs> and a really so Cordell, cool name. Cordell, the black man, got away with killing Stephen Benson, the rich white Wh man. What? Man, this thing is just all over the place. It's crazy. Head. It's crazy. Yeah. In Florida? Yeah. Maybe Florida, Benson well, could be governor. <laughs> yeah, maybe Benson <laughs> was governor. <laughs> We've gotten there, guys. We got yeah, there. We did it, guys. Right. We did it, Joe. Uh, <laughs> After retiring in 1982, Harry Hitchcock lived to the age of 93. He passed away on December 14, 1990. Um, Lancaster Leaf Tobacco Company is still in operation today as a subsidiary of Universal Leaf Tobacco Corporation. And that's the story of the murder of tobacco heiress Margaret Benson. Sources for this story, the book... Money to Burn, The True Story of the Benson Family Murders Ooh, by Michael what a good title. Bouchon. Another book, mm -hmm. The Serpent's Tooth, 
One Family Story of Greed, Revenge, and Murder by Christopher Anderson. What the hell kind of title is that one? <laughs> a bit of a stretch on the title. The Serpent's, Ser- Tooth. The Serpent's Tooth. Uh sure. MarcoNews.com article, Anniversary Recalls Notorious Crime by Bridget O'Malley. Bridget O'Malley. Oh, what's she doing? Oh, the Bridget O'Malley. Writing articles for MarcoNews.com. Wow. Um... <laughs> Lancaster online article, man who blew up his tobacco heiress mother. Here we go. That's, a, that's, a, that's <laughs> the best title out of them all. I love these titles. Man who blows up his mo- tobacco See, heiress mother. That's, in what a car in a that's what I would click Went on. Went to get donuts and coffee. Took too long. And then next thing you know, suburban blows up. Sister on fire. If if if, if an article came across my face, I that love said the, the serpent's tooth. I would not click on it. I would right. not. Click man, on who, it. man who blew up his tobacco heiress mother and brother dies in Florida prison by Cindy Stoffer. Cindy, that's the full. Cindy, the full you're the shit. Article. Yeah, Cindy, you're awesome. You could have added forty five <laughs> more words. <laughs> Cindy probably didn't uh, yeah. even write that head. Probably not. Lancaster Online. LancasterOnline.com. Dot edu. Dot org. That's it. That's that's the story. Whoops. Oh, whoop. Bobaloop up. Oh, whoop. Bam, boop. Good night. The Florida Man Murders is a five-reason sports production. Researched, written, and produced by Chris Joseph. Music by Roger Rimada. Thank you for listening. And remember, kids, only assholes murder. So, don't be an asshole.